All right. Welcome back to the Oklahoma Trail. Alex Ryan and Sam here still really ruminating on this Paul George trade and waiting for a Russell Westbrook trade at this point seems pretty inevitable. Um, Sam, you weren't on our last pod, so let's let's get everybody up to speed with how you have been dealing with the Paul George news. Tell us yeah. about your experience. So I... I also I only received one phone call from Ryan in the middle of the night around 1.30 central time. Um, I woke up actually around 2 o'clock and saw that uh, I had a call from Ryan and several DMs in our group message that this had gone down. So I was reading about it. I was like, gosh, oh, huh. And I went back to sleep. I was like, I don't worry about this in the morning. Um, so, yeah, that's what, I mean, my Which, initial thought. Shout Shout out to you for being able to do that because I woke <laughs> up at six and found out and there was like, and it was the it, end. <laughs> it would not have mattered when I woke up. Like I could have woken up at two o'clock in the morning and I was going to be up for a while. So that I'm impressed with your ability yeah. to just say, well, I'll deal with it in the morning. I guess that, you know, you are probably more of an adult than, uh, <laughs> than I am. So I have, I have less <laughs> sleeping, a good sleep schedule is one of my few adult tendencies. <laughs> well, I was up at 1.30, found out, and then did not go to bed until like 5. Yeah, so Ryan called at 1.30, and then you guys were DMing at like 6 o'clock when Alex woke up, and Ryan was still awake or reawake then. Yeah, I was reawakened at that point. Ryan was um, dedicated to the journalism. <laughs> But oh, that's man. that's really the, I didn't have a whole lot of thoughts. I was honestly relieved. Um, I share a lot of the same sentiments that you guys expressed on the last podcast. Like I didn't think this was possible. We talked about how before how you know your way your way out of this mediocrity we've been in was trading Russell Westbrook after his MVP season, and you know there's at postseason we talked about there's really no way out from here, and you just write it out. This completely came out of nowhere. I think if you don't, you had to trade Paul George first to do this whole blow up because he, you know, hasn't been here for his entire career for eleven years. So you had to do that first, and I think you had to get the historic amount of first round picks plus Shea Gilgis Alexander for it to be palatable for fans. Um, and sure, people are still upset just because a lot of people don't understand why this was good um but i was i was relieved to see it happen because when you see that you know the writings on the wall that they are not committed to another to probably a 45 win season this year and you you don't have you don't go into it with high expectations you like ryan said the last episode you're gonna go undefeated this year like so there's that is relieving and then the aftermath of that was just like having to talk to everybody, like people in my family, friends, asking what I thought of this, explaining why it's a good thing, having to try and stay off Facebook. Man, Facebook is where you find just, I mean, everyone knows, that's where you find just the worst people and the worst opinions. I have, um, like, people from high school that have terrible opinions demanding Sam Presti, like, tell us what his plan is for the future, why are you doing these things? Like as if you can't just read through one move and uh, figure out, oh, this is what we're doing. Like people saying it's uh, you know horrible trades, horrible Jeremy Grant trade, horrible Paul George trade. Like 
so dealing that's that's like the aftermath I've been dealing with since then. Right. Right. Or go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just yeah, the um the fan response. This is something that you, Alex, and I have really gone back and forth with um in on our in our uh DM group. Uh just like what will the fan response be to a rebuilding uh thunder? Um Right now, it doesn't look incredible. Um, I have faith that this t- city can be like the basketball crazy, understanding, you know, city that it was when like the Hornets were here and for the first few years of the Thunder. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they've maybe they've moved beyond that. Maybe the novelty is gone. I will say this, and this is this is also a point that is going to be a piece I'm writing. Um, that I will publish whenever the rest trade happens, um, which is that this is really um, this Paul George trade has been like another opportunity for everybody who believes that Oklahoma City is not a place that deserves a basketball team to like emerge from the weeds and like announce that they feel that like the city deserves this. Um, and like, this rebuild is going to be an opportunity for Thunder fans to either prove them wrong or prove them right. There have been, like, there are, like, legitimately people in this world who are, like, gleeful at the idea of Thunder fans finally have to, having to face, like, harsh NBA reality. Um, and, yeah, this is, like, this is a situation where, you know, if the fan base doesn't want to support a rebuilding team, they don't deserve this team. And you know they might as well move somewhere else. But this, like, this is also an opportunity for like Oklahoma City, the city, its people, to prove those people wrong. Um, I hope we can get people on board with that. Gonna need to massively increase the uh, audience of this podcast, I think, for that to happen. Uh, so, gonna need all our loyal listeners to so start I sharing. Have, I have it. Uh, take on this and okay. I think I don't think it's like a hot take or anything but like do you think it's probably safe to assume that OU fans are probably going to be the worst Thunder fans in this situation because like OU fans their entire existence is built around the idea of like we have to win every year you know yeah. I feel like OSU fans like this might be more in their comfort zone and I am not I'm not trying to like shit all over S- OSU. Like, I'm literally wearing an OSU shirt right now. Yeah, um, presently attend that university. Presently um, attend the university, but I just think that those those people are more equipped to be able to handle this kind of situation. And do you think? But do you think that will carry over from them, or is it like they've been Thunder fans all they know is Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And so they're going to be just as bad, but, but I tend to think OSU fans are going to be a little more equipped to handle this new phase. I definitely think that they're going to be better about setting expectations, right. For the reasons we've discussed. Um, It's, but like the opposite could also be true in terms of like the thunder (laughs) Again, not to like crap on the OSU football program or even the OSU basketball program of late, but like, you know, the Thunder were a, a, a source of consistent sporting success that they could count on to reliably root for and see them succeed and go to the postseason. Um, and I 
know, maybe once that's gone and it's, you know, this sort of more frustrating, like expectation setting sort of thing, like they, like I could also see OSU fans like losing interest. Like I, you know, like I already have enough of this in my life. Um, but I tend to be optimistic about that, though. I really think that OSU fans will be more in the first camp than the second. I am worried about uh, Sooner fans um, because, like, it is, like, you can, I mean, you can talk about, like, the John Blake years or whatever, but that, like, it, that was a long time ago. That was more than 20 years ago. Well, the University of Oklahoma faced even, like, temporary, yeah. like, football setback. Well, and I think that with, in college football, it's a lot different because, I think the way, if you're at a big-time program, you're really only a an elite football coach away from being a true contender every year. Yeah. You know, so it's like if you're bad and you, your coach isn't great, then you really only need to make one change, you know. And, like, first of all, Sam Presti's not going anywhere, so, like, OU fans might not be able to get that, like, rejuvenation of, well, at least somebody got fired over it. Um, Billy Donovan's probably not going to go anywhere. So that I'm, I'm a little worried that because nobody's going to get fired in this situation, that OU fans aren't going to really understand and comprehend the situation very you well. You know, gonna, like you think they're going to read that as complacency? Yeah, they're just going to read it as like, oh, the Thunder. They don't care about being being a big time franchise in the NBA because they won't do the because like. I mean, that was the deal. Like when Bob Stoops was kind of pulling in just top 15 recruiting classes and kind of just barely getting the job done, that was the complaint. It's like, oh, OU football isn't, they aren't doing what it takes to be an elite football program right now. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. I could see that. Like this is kind of a weird, I did not intend to go this far into it, but like I think it's interesting to think about like, how this state will operate because it's literally never known what it's like to be a rebuilding franchise, right? It's all about, it's been about competing for championships pretty much since year two. Like I think they won 50 games in the second year of Oklahoma city of the thunder being in Oklahoma city. And since then it's just been about, are we going to win it this year? You know, so it's going to be interesting seeing how OU fans specifically kind of transition out of that, that phase of the franchise and see if they stay supporting them. And like, I don't think there's any reason to think that like, obviously they're not going to sell as many tickets during this process in all likelihood. Um, and it's liable to, you know, attendance is going to probably go towards more of the middle of the pack than it's been. Mm -hmm. But as long as it's just not bottom five in the league, you know, right. like it can't yeah. get to that point where like, oh crap, there's just like, it's like a half full arena every night. You know, that's, that's when the, uh, the franchise is going to be in real danger. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on Sam Presti to not do a great job at this rebuild. He's going to try to rush something um, in order to get more fans. And that's, that's not what the, what the Thunder need. The Thunder need a really supportive fan base like they've always had, but in this new phase. Um, and I guess this has been our our plea to um, the Oklahoma City fans that listen to our podcast, the three of them that do. Um, also, like, I mean, me personally, like, P 
people can kind of fuck off. Like if you're if you're not gonna give if the if you're not gonna support the Thunder after they lose Russell Westbrook, then like I personally don't give a shit. Like you can go to hell. Like it's whatever. Like I'm really excited about this new phase. <laughs> I just uh, don't understand like what people expected anyway. Like we were well, people so. are just so unrealistic about things and like you run it back exactly like it was. Everybody else improved. You had no way of getting better. So the team was already going to go down in standing. It's like, at best, you're looking at the same exact result as last year. Right. And it's like, I was I was talking with people at work today. I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, when you watch that team before, it's understandable. You have Russell Westbrook and Paul George, two elite players. You expect the team to be good. And that was what was so frustrating about the team is like, Whenever, apart from that one third of the season where Paul George was just absolutely nuclear, like they were probably the most frustrating team in the league. Because, like, you want them to be good and you expect them to be good, and they're just not so much of the time. And they would bullshit their way into some wins and they'd bullshit their way into even more losses. And it's like the. We, we've talked about before, you might not get that same version of Paul George back anyway, and that was only part of the season. It's like, you're at best expecting the same exact thing as last year or worse. Right. Well, I think, and it's understandable that this is true, by the way. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and like soften this blow. But, like, Oklahoma City fans massively overrate Russell Westbrook. Like, and... I am very guilty of this too. Like it, honestly, the fact that Russ is being trading traded is like really freeing for me because I can like step back and evaluate him more honestly now. I think, um, and it's like I said, it's totally understandable that fans feel this way about Russ. That like fans honestly believe that Russ was somehow going to take a step forward at the age of thirty-one, like after a hand and knee surgery. And the reason they do that is because of what Russ has meant to the city. Like, it's an understandable emotional response. And I don't begrudge anyone for having an emotional response to basketball. Uh, because if we didn't, it would be utterly pointless. Like, this sport exists to provoke an emotional response in you. And so, like, it's okay to have felt like Russ could do anything. But... He couldn't, and it's also okay to now look back and say, you know, we were being too optimistic about our chances this season. We really shouldn't expect have expected much. Yeah, Turn I and think say, this is gonna be okay. Right. I think that. I mean, the move that fans wanted, they wanted. They wanted Steven Adams to turn into another, like, superstar. And that just yeah. literally wasn't going to happen. And the reason why they wanted that is because Sam Presti turned Victor Oladipo and Sabonis into a superstar in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like, that was just, you know, they'll pull something off to, like, change their, their direction. Like, I think that the initial reaction to losing Paul George was negative because it was like, well, this is, we're moving in the opposite direction. We just needed to turn our roster we needed another superstar and now we only have one you know so yeah it was it, they really expected Presti to do like the paul george trade is such an impossible standard to hold franchise moves to um and like 
either one, like both in and out were astonishing moves, right? Like Serge Ibaka turned into Shea Gilgis Alexander and Danilo Gallinari and more first round picks than have ever been in a trade before. Um, and yeah. there's like, you can't always do that. And right. like, actually, and actually like Thunder fans need to like move past like the shock and frustration of like blowing this team up and be like, wow, this was an incredible deal. And yeah, the Clippers are going to be good, but you know, that might only be short term for one thing. Well, um, yeah, that's my biggest thing is like, there's been a lot of negative reactions to the trade in that like, Oh, well we traded him for five late twenties first round draft picks. And like, have you guys not watched the NBA long enough to know that in like two years, the league is going to be completely different, right? Like there's no telling what those draft picks are going to be and having them that far in the future, like literally, I mean, Paul George, I think especially is not going to be an elite player by the time that, those picks are all conveyed and Kawhi in all likelihood isn't either, but I know Paul George isn't right. So, I mean, it's, I mean, Sam Presti was really smart in not like, he was like, I don't want this year's first round draft pick, you know, obviously like, yeah, they're going to be really good this season. Duh. Um, But put kicking the can down the road, getting those picks in future years, getting the Miami picks like, an incredible job, right? We talked about this on the last podcast, and it's still, like, I'm still in awe of what Sam Presti was able to actually get for a guy that, first of all, didn't want to be on the Thunder anymore. Like, he mm-hmm. literally requested a trade. And, like, don't be mad at Paul George, because Paul George could have done it completely differently. Like, he could have right. outwardly, yeah. he could have done what Anthony Davis did, and which technically that worked for Anthony Davis, but right. and had Paul George done that, like right, that, that would have been better for him moving forward, right? He could have leveraged his discontent in Oklahoma City to force the Thunder to give up less to the Exi- Clippers from or the Clippers to get yeah yeah exactly. Yeah. And also and you just like better. you look at you look at what we gave up just without even going all the way to back to Serge Ibaka, just look up what we gave up for Paul George. It was just Oladipo and Sabonis, which like, yeah, Oladipo is great, but what is the equivalent of us doing that? Like is it's like Jalen Brown and Robert Williams is like a similar haul for what we gave up, you know, like something like that. We gave up one highly drafted guy that hadn't turned into a star yet. And one guy that was, a lottery pick that was had a decent rookie year. It was like a decent stretch bit. And we yeah. got Paul George and then flipped him immediately into this. It's like, it, it could be so much worse. And I just don't understand how, why people can't see it that way. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time complaining. I, I guess. Necessarily. I do. I know. I know. I think it's, well, that's, I think it, it will be. It is easy for us to fall into um, the absurdity of people not seeing it this way. But I think, like, I don't know. This is an opportunity for us to persuade people. Not very many people. I'm not going to suggest that this podcast is going to change the entire Thunder fan base's outlook. But you know, like, people like such as ourselves who understand and like this move and feel it is right need to become the louder voice in the Thunder community 
Um, just because, like, it's going to be frustrating to see Thunder fans who are sad this coming season because they don't have to be. And I don't want them to have to feel like they have to be. Yeah, that's like I was I was on a I'm on a mission now. I was like, what's even the point of watching now? Like it's gonna suck to watch this team. And it's like, no, it's not. And you know, I tell everybody I come across the point that you made, how we're going undefeated. And like it is fun to watch young players grow. Like it was fun to watch Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, guys that we drafted and developed. Like, yeah, even when we were a 23-win team. Like, it was fun to watch them. And then all of a sudden we blow up, and it's like these guys you watched struggle immensely for a season. Now they're pushing the NBA champions to the brink in the first round. Like, that was yeah. that was a fun experience, and you can have it all over again. Yeah, so let's move on, right? Because, I mean, we've, we've made our feelings pretty evident throughout this deal. Um, one of the things we talked about on the last podcast was that we it was really important to us that the Thunder do not go into this year and try to salvage stuff and like, hey, let's make a playoff run. And I think that really the first just super concrete thing that happened that was like, oh, this is definitely what's not what's happening was the Jeremy Grant trade. Right. Which I think that happened yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Monday. Yeah. Um, and like, honestly, like that was, you know, another really exciting trade for me personally. Cause like, first of all, I was a huge Jeremy Grant fan. He was maybe my favorite player on the team this past year. Right. And he developed, he's like, like you said earlier, like he was a young player when he got to OKC and he was, he could barely play basketball when he got to the thunder. He was just like this ridiculous athlete that didn't really know what to do with his arms you know, and he turned into a near 40% three-point shooter that destroyed the rim two or three times a game. You know, like, he yeah. was an awesome player to watch. And I was really excited to see that, A, like, hey, that guy's going to go to a place that is absolutely perfect for him. Him and Jokic are a yeah, dream fit. And, like, I really hope that he's able to stay there long term. I think that's the best place for him in the league, probably. Um but also getting a first-round draft pick for him, and it's another one of those situations where, like, a late first doesn't mean anything. You know, that's not that's not value at all for a guy like Jeremy Grant and people were talking about. They could have gotten so much more for him. And I'm just like, no, literally no. That's not – Yeah, that's – No. Yeah. Like, for one thing, you, like, when the Thunder made this move, part of it is like part of what the nuggets are providing the thunder is cap relief. Yeah. They're saving $40 million because of this trade. You have to take that into account when you talk about value back from trades. It's the same with the uh, trade to Memphis for Baisley. Like the, like the Grizzlies, it doesn't, it's not going to matter now, but at the time the Grizzlies provided like actually kind of significant cap relief by letting the thunder move back a few slots. Um, probably a few million dollars the Thunder saved because of that. Yeah. And I understand the the common thing of like, oh, what do I care about saving billionaires money? But like getting them to pay the luxury tax that it was such a struggle in the first place and arguably cost the Thunder a championship because they wouldn't do that. And if you're going to make these billionaires keep paying 
the luxury tax for a team that is absolutely not going to win a championship or anything close, then you are more likely to regress to the point where they're never going to want to pay it ever again. And you're going to be a middling small market team forever if they will never go into the luxury tax for a title again. Yeah. Right. Like the reality is like, it is more important now than ever for this team to be profitable. Yeah. Um, And not to say that it wasn't profit, but you know, this is part of expectation shifting is you don't pay the luxury tax for a team that won't make the playoffs. You just, it's a terrible business decision and you shouldn't expect anybody to make it, you know, and it's not your money, but (laughs) it's the money of the person who is responsible for the future of this franchise. Um, And like, there is an absolute difference between paying an enormous luxury tax bill and being frustrated by first round exits and paying an enormous luxury tax bill and winning 30 games a year. Like (laughs) that's the difference. That is the difference between uh, like literally the difference between like, you know, pushing for space saving moves and selling the team. Uh, And yeah, so it's a good thing that the Nuggets provide us cap relief. A first round draft pick is good regardless. Right. You have to understand, like you don't get a lot of value for trading non-stars in the NBA. Like a guy that going into his last year of his contract, he's not a star player. He's a really good role player. He's all, he's not a perfect role player. Like he's not like this elite role player. He's a good role player that fits really well with the Nuggets. So like, I mean, it's a great deal. It's a really yeah. good and deal people to understand, get it. You can get good quality pieces at the back end of the first round. No, like if you're good at drafting, which we can all agree Sam Presti is, you can get good pieces. Like Andre yeah. Robertson was at the back end of the first round. You can I remember get Darius that same year. Baisley. Yeah. <laughs> like you can you can do great things. It doesn't matter like and, next year's know, regarded as another weak draft, but you can still get a good piece there if you're good at your job. Right. And have assets to spare you're not really gonna be able to trade a team trade a player to a team and expect to get a lottery pick from that team yeah right you get you can get lottery picks from teams that got lottery picks from other teams yeah and there's not not a lot of those around there right now yeah a team is not going to trade you their lottery pick um for if they project it to be a lottery pick like yeah well, especially, I mean, for a non-star, like, you, you yeah. could get that for, like, Paul George or Bradley Beal. But, right, like, but if you trade a star to a team, then it might not, like, then the pick is probably going to be worse. It's going to be a worse That's, pick, right. Yeah, this, like, this is a reality of trading draft picks. Yeah. You know, the Thunder will have a lottery pick because they'll be in the lottery. Yeah, but, and that's that's a big value for them. Yeah, because, and then and then you do something like the Hawks, where you can package that late pick with your own lottery pick and move up a little bit to get the yeah. player you want. Exactly. Yep. No, I agree. Absolutely. Um, every pick has value. Yeah, every pick has value. And, like, again, Jeremy Grant was really good. He's going to be great in Denver. But guy had one year left on his contract. He's going to get paid a lot more after the next contract. Yeah. And, like, you're not getting anything more than anybody's first round, late first round draft pick for that. So. Yeah. Um, let's move on to a couple, I mean, little things and we'll get to, to the Russell Westbrook stuff because that's important. Um, 
so the Thunder, you know, obviously we talked about the Thunder signing some free agents. Um, and I think the Thunder did a really good thing in that they let all of those free agents know that, hey, we kind of get it if you don't want to come here now because mm-hmm. we thought we were going to be trying to contend and we obviously are not in that situation anymore. So if you want to go somewhere where you feel like you can contend, that's fine with us. We'll let you out of your agreement. Like they didn't sign a contract or anything yet. So it's like, we'll let you out of your agreement with us and you can go. And Alec Burks had another offer from the Warriors and he decided to take that instead of the Thunder. Um, So he will end his Thunder tenure without ever playing a game for the the Alec Burks era is officially over. Yep. Um, (laughs) However, Mike Muscala was uh, I don't know if he just was unable to find another spot. That is my suspicion. <laughs> um, or if he was just so excited to play with a developing young Oklahoma City Thunder team. Maybe he was. He felt a huge sense of loyalty to Sam Presti because he showed up at his house the first night of free agency. Like I guess that's possible as well. Um, but, yeah, so basically Mike Muscal is going to be around next year, and uh, I hope he doesn't step foot on the floor because I do right. not want to watch Mike Mescala play. I kind of feel like the Thunder should just wave him, honestly. Yeah, and maybe they will. I think they'll bring him into camp. Uh, like, I really do. Because, like, there's no reason ever set foot on the court. Like, he provides nothing for the Thunder. Um, unless they really believe in, like, his veteran leadership or whatever. Like, yeah, I doubt that. Yeah, I doubt like, that very seriously. Any second I, he's on the floor is a second that Darius Basley or Deontay Burton or any right. number of other young players are not playing. I mean, um, one year ago, he netted you Ivica Zubac. Like, he, maybe some someone, the Knicks, maybe they true. think he's I a tradable asset. Keeping him around in case God, yeah. somebody decides, in case it becomes clear that they need to put shooting around LeBron James. I think they figured that one out. Yeah, they, I think they went too far in that direction, honestly. Like, they have shooting for days now. Um, they have the best bench of all time. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, but they, yes, they do. Not yet, but Actual soon. take. Actual, Actual take on the Twitters. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I definitely think that, like, letting... Burks and Muscala reevaluate their situation is really important. Yeah, I well, I I mean, I guess Ner, I think Nerlens' deal was already done, so that was too late. Um, but following the conclusion, but I mean, it's it's like the same thing that the whole thing with the small market team. You have to be a front office that is someone someone that. You know, players can trust that you will do right by them, and we'll talk about that with when we talk about Russ. But like, it's just a good, upstanding thing to do. That like, if these guys don't want to be in a situation that they didn't think they were getting into, then like, just let them go. They're not gonna make or break this team. They're not like just do. It's a meaningless gesture that does nothing but look good. Like, it's not a big right. deal. Yeah, it was essentially it's essentially a PR move. So yeah. good, good for the yeah, Thunder no, being intelligent in that yeah, way. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we talk at length about Boston's problems in free agency, despite it being a large market with a storied history. Like a lot of players are just like, 
that organization is going to treat me like crap. Their fans are racist. No. Yeah, Houston's the same way as that too. Like they, yeah. they don't. I, I literally heard that from like reliable reporters that they had talked to agents and they said that agents, they had talked to several agents that said, no, I would never let my player go there because they're just not going to be treated correctly. So um, it's a good look. Um, do we want to talk about Russell Westbrook? Cause that's an important, the, the thing. most pressing matter. Yeah. Yeah. That dude's going to get traded and I am, I'm feeling 80% confident that he's going to get traded to the Miami Heat. Um, I, th- I mean, there's always an, uh, a chance that something could blow me away because, uh, like, that's just how the NBA works. You know, you think you're getting a feeling for how the, you know, how the trade is going to go and then out of nowhere. Like, I remember a few years ago, like, everybody knew it was a done deal that Brooke Lopez was going to get traded to the Thunder. And then they wound up trading for Ennis Cantor. So, like, there's, I assume he's going to the Heat, but he could get traded to Detroit tomorrow, and it wouldn't surprise me. Right. But, I like you said, the, the Heat just make too much sense. Like, you want to, like we talked about, you want to do right by Russ. You want to give him everything that he could want. It makes the most sense. Location-wise, Miami would be dope. It makes the most sense... As a team, on paper, Miami looks competitive. You have Jimmy Butler. You have the second star to pair him with that will be seemingly competitive. You're not sending. You're not exiling him to Detroit. Um, it's like yeah. there are just too many things about Miami that make sense. We'll talk about. Are we getting into right now different landing spots for him? What it could mean for the Thunder? Or what do you want? Where do you want to go with this? Well, I just want to talk about Miami just a little bit more because there aren't a lot of teams in the league that I see that I think it makes sense for them to trade for Russell Westbrook because yeah. we've talked plenty about his contract and how it kind of sucks. And, you know, the super max in general is a, a, a whole other issue that we could talk at length about. But um, I think it makes a lot of sense for Miami and it would be a really good trade even if they were to have to give up decent assets to get him because a Pat Riley is like 80 years old and he's not going to be there that much longer. He wants to have a competitive team and Russell Westbrook in the Eastern conference with Jimmy Butler is going to be more competitive than what they've got right now. B Miami has always done the deal where they, they only want to get stars. Like that's all they really cared about. They kind of, I don't know what happened a couple summers ago when they decided to sign all those average role players to big contracts, but it was very non-Miami Heat-like. And so this would kind of be them going back to their roots as like, we are a star franchise. We want to get stars here. And I think that they'll look at Russell Westbrook and Jimmy Butler as a, a duo that could possibly attract a third star in 2021 whenever a lot of those other contracts are going to be coming off the books for them. And they're probably going to be in a situation where they're going to be able to get uh, enough salary cap room to add a third guy that summer. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense for them, even if they have to maybe overpay a little bit um, to get him. Um, and by overpay, I mean, give us like Tyler hero and justice Winslow. Like to me, that seems that's an overpay for Russell Westbrook, but 
Um, how do you guys feel? What do you think the Thunder should be looking to get back from the Heat in a trade? Like, obviously, we have a dream scenario where you get like those two and maybe even Bam at a bio as well. But like, what are you thinking about? Like, what would you be comfortable taking back from the Heat as like a minimum deal? Um, yeah, realistically, asset wise, I think Hero and Winslow is like the minimum you should be looking for. And right. then if it's just if it's just Thunder and Heat straight up, well, do you, do you guys think is the most likely scenario for this with a third team, or do you think they'll just find a way to get it done, the two of them? I think uh, it has to be a third team because I, I still think the Thunder have to cut salary. And Miami yeah. is so close to the they, – they're going to be – they're hard-capped because of the uh, Jimmy Butler deal that they're going to have to, like, essentially at least break even and probably mm-hmm. even cut some salary um, so they'll have enough room to, like, right. bring – you know, build a roster around those two guys. Um, so I think that that it's, it's going to have to be a third team. It's probably going to have to be either Dallas or Cleveland. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um I gotta say like including Dallas in this deal makes so much sense. Dallas can absorb Goran Dragic into their cap space. It's a doable thing for them. Yeah. Um, and like he provides an upgrade at point guard, which is by far their worst position. Um, not to, not to, lean too much into this but i mean he's white and we know how mark cuban loves that and um, he, he was literally luca's mentor wasn't he hasn't right. he mentored luca i think he he and luca have a very um close relationship together right. well and that's the like, only that's thing, the other thing it, is that like when mark cuban like we joke about mark cuban like liking white players and it kind of seems like he does but like he has publicly stated that he likes players that developed in Europe because of like the atmosphere of that like basketball culture. Um, and like whether or not that is wholly problematic, I leave to the listener, but like that is Mark Cuban's stance on things. I think them getting Goran Dragic makes sense. It also makes sense for Miami to ship out Goran Dragic because he and Russ play the same position. Yeah, for um, sure. The also, thing I want Russ, to talk about with Russ fucking hates Goran Dragic. I just want to point that out as well. That That's like another that pretty is decent I was I was thing. unaware of that one. It's hard yeah. to keep up with all of Russ's beefs. Yeah. yeah. Um the, so the thing with Goran Dragic in Dallas though, do you, is it different now because I thought the the stories were whenever Jimmy Butler's sign and trade was happening to the Heat, they were trying to pawn Dragic off on Dallas um, in that scenario. And I think Cuban or someone from the team had said they didn't want to do that because that would affect how they wanted to use their cap space going forward in the future. Is it different now because they're no longer trying to sign Danny Green? I think that's, I think that's it. I think that they had yeah. plans to get Danny Green. They had a pretty substantial offer out there for him. Um, mm. I think that's what it is, and I got it makes sense. Like Danny Green would have been an incredible fit for them, um, but they also like they just got Delon Wright, who is sort of a point guard, but really more of a two. Um, but they didn't wind up having to give him as much money, so they still have the ability to bring in um, somebody like that. I also think they have a trade exception that they could fit Dragic into, or they could fit at least some bad contract into. Yeah, that could also be part yeah. of this situation. Mm-hmm. They as have well. like a 
19, it might even be 20 million uh, from Harrison Barnes. Yeah, I'm not sure how all the, the trade exception stuff shakes out. Yeah, I'm not either. I guess we could head to the, the trade machine, but. Well, yeah. Um, um, so what else do we have to say about a potential deal with the Heat? Just, I mean, is that is that what y'all are thinking also? Just Winslow and Hero and then whatever do you, do you expect a James Johnson type? Is, would he go to a third team for salary purposes? What are you guys hoping for? So um, I don't think oh. the Thunder are going to be able to get out of this without taking some bad contract from the Heat because, like I said, they can't lose money in this situation like they have to or they really can't even afford to really break even if they're sending out multiple players like they've got to shed some salary in this deal as well um so i think that the thunder could take the contract of i mean james johnson is possible i would hope not that's the biggest contract they have available but Either Kelly Olynyk or Dion Waiters, and I think Waiters probably makes the most sense because it makes no sense to have Waiters, Butler, and Russ on the same basketball team. Right. Um, so you might see the uh, the return the return of Dion Waiters in Oklahoma City, which I know would be very exciting. Okay, I just by the way, I just tried this trade, um, and it the, the trade machine now says it fails. Um, so I don't. This is where we get to the part where I don't know how trade exceptions work. Right. Um, yeah, let me... You guys talk a little bit. I'll, I will try to yeah. construct it. Well... I'd seen a lot A lot of people... I don't understand what the, the fascination is with Kevin Love still. Like, he was not good, and he's always hurt, and he's old. And... <laughs> Those are three so really compelling reasons. Yeah, so I don't understand why... I, I know a lot of people, for some reason, I have one friend, I think it's ironic, but I'm really not sure if it's, he's, he tweets at Kevin Love, like, at Kevin Love every day. Um, it's pretty funny, but he, like, wants Kevin Love to come to the Thunder. And I really, I'm, I hope that it's because he want, he's just leaning into the tank really hard. But he was on this shtick before we had traded Paul George away, so I'm not so sure. But I don't, so I don't understand the people that want Kevin Love to the Thunder when they wanted us to be competitive. I don't understand. There's there was a huge Alex or you had talked about a tweet that had a lot of people going a lot of places, and it mostly in, included Russ and Kevin Love going to Miami, and then most of Miami. We the Thunder would have gotten I think like Justice Winslow and Tyler Hero and maybe Bam Adebayo. And also J.R. Smith and maybe another contract from the Cavs. I, I just don't understand why anyone would want Kevin Love. <laughs> I guess that's where I'm at on that. Well, that's sad. I feel bad for him. It is sad because I like um, Kevin Love and he has been incredible during his career. And he's very funny on Twitter. I So I don't know, could, could Kevin Love... I mean, is that something the Heat would want? Is a Jimmy Butler, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love big three, like, at all desirable to you? I 
I think the Heat might do it. But again, like you're talking about, they would have to give up a lot more players than what they're getting. Yeah, they would have to give and, up like eight players for that. And, and they then would I'd have go, like there are just not that many free agents. Like and at they this just. Point. Yeah, and they also just wouldn't have enough money to probably put together a roster under the hard cap. So, like, right. those trades theoretically work, but, like, if the the Heat aren't shedding salary in the deal, like, I just don't think you can look at it, or at least, like, breaking even without giving up every player they have. Like, I don't think you can look at that deal as realistic. So I have I have a trade that I kind of... I put together trying to make it seem mutually beneficial for all three parties um it it's kind of strange and like i had to throw patrick patterson in it because the first iteration of it had uh the thunder actually adding salary to make the trade and i just don't think that's something they would do um so this way they're shedding like three million in salary um but so the thunder received justice winslow courtney lee Dion waiters tyler hero the Mavs receive Goran Dragic and Patrick Patterson, and the Heat get Russell Westbrook. And so the Heat are shedding a little bit of salary to do this. 13 plus 12, that's 25. Yeah, so they're shedding about 4 or $5 million to do this deal. And then, uh, so that helps them out. And then the Magic are acquiring those two guys into cap space. So you probably have to incentivize... Either the Heat or the Thunder would have to incentivize them to be part of this deal. Um, and then the Thunder are getting about... I think if the Thunder shed $3 million in salary like this trade would give them, they're under the tax at that point. I think. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Interesting. But yeah, that trade works. Um, the the Mavs have... Do what? Go over that one more time. Because I think at one point you said the Magic. Did I? Oh, I, I think you just okay. accidentally said Magic and Thunder. Okay, but it was always the Mavs. Okay. Yeah, Mavs. Yeah, Mavs, oh, Mavs. and Thunder. The Magic do not have cap space. Uh, okay. Right. Do you need me to run through it again? Yeah, give it. So is it. So it's Russ and Patrick Patterson to the Heat. No, 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 no. no. The Heat only get Russ, right? right? The Heat get Russ. Patterson goes to the Mavs. Dragic goes to the Mavs. The Thunder get Justice Winslow. Courtney Lee on an expiring Dion Waiters with two years left and Tyler Hero, um, which is pretty significant salary um, that the Thunder are acquiring, which is why through Patrick Patterson, it can be done without Patrick Patterson at all, but the Thunder would just be adding salary to the deal. Uh, They would be adding salary through the deal. And I just don't think that's something they want to do. So yeah, that's, that's one of the, versions that works i mean there there might be one with cleveland that works because jr smith's contract's really valuable right now so um but yeah it's it's pretty interesting i'm actually kind of fascinated by the mechanics and like that's the one problem with what paul george did it was the timing if yeah paul george had done this like june 30th right the thunder could have traded Rust to any number of places that would have just had pure cap space, and they probably could have just absorbed Rust into cap space, and it would have well, been super one, easy for everybody. Yeah. That one probably falls on Kawhi, right? Right. No, it absolutely does. But like, I mean, you know, the timing of the whole Paul George deal, yeah, it's that's the only issue. Like, that's the only thing that could have gone better for the Thunder in that situation. 
Right. Um, so that is, is that every, have we exhausted every possible iteration that Russell Westbrook can go to the, to the heat? I mean, there's different tweaks to it, but I think that, I mean, the, the reality is it's going to have to involve Dallas or Cleveland. Like that's really the only way that it works. It's, I don't think the Thunder are going to make a straight up trade with the heat in order to just absorb salary and because then you would have to break even right mm-hmm. like i don't i don't think that's what's going to happen and ma- it makes it really tough but like um i mean there is a team like there's a reason that dallas hasn't used its cap space yet you know it's still sitting there waiting and i think it's waiting for an opportunity like this and it might be a situation where either the heat hopefully the heat would throw the mass a first round pick um i would hope the thunder don't have to throw a first round pick out there to, to trade Russ. I would think that that's something they don't want to do at all, but no, I don't think um, they would do that. You know, um, if you're getting hero, maybe you look at that as like, well, we're getting another first round pick this year, you know? So yeah. I don't know. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The other thing about, about um, the heat deal is that, you know, trading Russ isn't the only Avenue that the Thunder have to explore, like getting under the tax. Like Gallinari is a very flippable asset that I assume the Thunder will trade at some point, you know, um, and maybe you do it sooner rather than later uh, for salary reasons. Um, but yeah, it's not impossible for there to not be a third team. But yeah, Dallas absorbing some of the salary is just the, like it's the thing that makes the most sense. And it makes sense for Dallas, too, because it can legitimately help their team. Um, well, I think that if the Thunder do just do a straight trade with Miami, it will be pretty clear that they could not make anything work Yes, with the third team and that there's going to be a trade, probably Gallo or Schroeder or even Steven Adams, that they're just going to salary dump one of those guys. Yeah. Um, I think that will happen. Um, they will have to give up an asset to do that. But, I mean, I think Gallo is, is interesting because I think there are teams that would really like him. Yeah. Like, I think that Portland trade is a really good one. I think Portland should absolutely be calling about that right now. Um, I don't know the how, like, the likelihood of Milwaukee getting Gallo during the season like they have a definite hole of a player like that with Miritich being gone and I think that would be if it's possible something to look out for right so like By there the are way, definitely places to, that could yeah. take him if the like if the Portland trade happened today the thunder would be $400,000 over the tax uh is that the Baysmore trade yeah Baysmore for Gallinari straight up is yeah like, then you're you're right there like that's that's good and then like you could Make that trade with Russ, and like you could probably shed just like four hundred thousand on that deal, yeah, um, with the Heat, and they could still have enough room under the hard cap to put together the rest of their roster. Um, so maybe that's something we'll see. Um, I have heard, I saw, you know, a I can't remember what reporter it was saying that the you know pretty much everybody on the Thunder is available right now. Like nobody right. is safe, and like they would. You know, I think that there are teams that might be interested in Steven Adams or, or Dennis Schroeder if for the right deal. Right. For the right deal. We're not going to get a haul for either one, but like, 
Yeah, it's possible. So I even yeah, I mean, I even saw something about Dre, even though I'd like to keep Dre because I think that he's actually a really useful mentoring figure for the young wings. Like it's pretty clear that his time uh, with Ferguson and Diallo, like in film study, helped. Right. Yeah, I think that that's. I think that's a reason to keep Stephen Adams too. Like, I yeah, mean, I've, I've shit on Stephen Adams for a while, but like, he'd be a really nice player to have. Like, yeah. having him be a pick and roll partner with Shea Gilders Alexander is like, that's a good yeah. move. Like, you want yeah. Shea like, to have a really good screen setter, right? And like, like Steve is a little things guy, um, and like it's like there's the sort of things that you would like young players to pick up on like these are habits yeah. you like it's to very control. hard to just get a little things guy like you have to kind of, sort of like grit and grind with memphis you have to have people in there that breed that into other younger right. players no for sure i think and i don't think that the thunder like they're not gonna go full process mode with how Philly did it in the Yeah, like, like I don't think we, we at least won't have to look at us trading Steven Adams for two second round picks. Yeah. Right. Well, and they like Philly just straight up didn't care about veteran leadership at all. And that was like a major complaint about how that whole process was operated. And that I think that it would have been more widely accepted if they had done a better job of at least having some veteran presence. Um in there to like help guys learn how to be in the NBA, you know? And I, I don't think that's a mistake that the thunder would make. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I, this isn't on our list of things that we were going to talk about, but I just had this thought um, just speaking of like the whole rebuild, you know, we're obviously all in favor of it and excited about it. Um, is there anything that you like, want the thunder to do like differently than what they did the first time is they're like i'm just thinking about like the type of player that maybe they should identify instead of like what they did this last time you know what i mean is there like a style that you would want this next version of the thunder to play you know yeah i mean we we have enough of the i think basley needs to be the last pick in that mold I, and we yeah. have enough athletic long yeah we have enough of those guys we need to, and basically is skilled but i think you know guys like like a tyler hero i think we could use someone like that now getting getting guys that are more skilled not necessarily the most athletic guys in the world but guys that can like that have a specific skill you know someone that's just an absolute knockdown shooter someone that you know, has this very like, you know, a great passer, you know, something like that, like a getting guys like Ty Jerome or something or Tyler Hero at the end of first rounds or something. Those are the kind of guys I would like to see to pair around. Those are a lot of uber athletic jump out of the gym guys. Right. Um, I, I really think that the oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. That's fine. I think Alex is about to disagree, so go ahead, Ryan. Well, what me. I was going to say is I think that the most important thing for the Thunder to look for moving forward are players who, like, they don't have, like, I'm going to say complete players, but I don't mean, like, right now. Like, I, I want players who project to be able to shoot, pass, and defend um, at their position, potentially at multiple positions. Okay. Um, and I, this like this is a thing where like you look at 
it's funny uh, because of the lineage of the Thunder. Uh, obviously, there's a and the way the Thunder is run is very obviously modeled on the Spurs, uh, except for personnel selection. Yeah. Um, and I actually think that like you know like. I would really like the Thunder to go after smart guys who look like they are going to be able to do everything. Because you put together a team of guys like that and you play, which I think will be conducive to the style of basketball that Billy Donovan wants to play. Right. And I think that you really have something there. So Ryan wants to draft Jeremy Grant. I do. Over and over and over again. So So Alex, disagree with me. All right, so I don't fully disagree with what you said, and I don't fully disagree with what Ryan said. I mean, first things first, like, you have to assume that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the point guard that they want to build around. I think that that is probably safe. I think that in this next draft, assuming we're pretty high in the lottery, I think you've got to find a partner for him in the backcourt. I want to start the rebuild by having two guards that I feel like can be the centerpiece of the team. I don't want to draft, like if they draft a center in the lottery, unless no, that's that just like the final the piece, yeah. do not do that ever. Like yeah. do not draft a center unless it's Joel freaking Embiid, Right. And so right. I want to find a guy. I mean, basically I want them to draft Josh green in this next draft or Tyrese Maxey. Um, but let me tell That's... you guys how high I am on Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> yeah. Big I, texted, I told Alex this weekend, he was talking about draft guys. like, have you seen any of Josh Green? And he replied, no. And then two minutes later, he said in all caps, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Green is awesome. Like, that dude is a complete player, really, really high-level athlete, got a big wingspan, but the guy can shoot, dribble, and pass. And he also looks like a guy that could be a really good defender, right? So I'm big on Josh Green. That's like my top dude. I'm pretty confused as to why he's not higher. But um, so that would be my my first priority. Um, But once the Thunder find their – they've got to find their two centerpiece players. I think Shea is one of them. And I would prefer the other one to be a two guard or if it's the right three, that's fine as well. But it needs to be a perimeter player. Um, And then I think guys like Darius Baisley are actually the right fit because like on the surface, Baisley seems like one of those like really physically talented guys. But I don't think that that is his skill set. Like he is. I've seen a guy that has a really good feel for the game and he's really good off the dribble and can make the passes that like, right. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. Like I thought he was going to go up and try to shoot a contested layup, but like, no, he drops it off to the big man. That's cutting to the rim at the right time. Like that's the kind of guy that I like. And I just want guys that know how to play basketball. I don't want to have to sit and watch like defensive specialists that have like, one skill offensively that they're capable of doing right like i don't want to ever i i think the guy that they should try to avoid drafting now is a guy like terrence ferguson like i don't hate terrence ferguson he's got potential but like the most realistic and um probably the highest percentage chance of like him becoming an nba player is that he's just going to be a three and d pure like pure three and d guy 
without really much off the dribble game. And I want I want guys that can make plays off the dribble and that are intelligent passers, right? Right. And but I don't want to I don't want to give up physical attributes either. Like I think that the physical tools of a guy like Hamidou Diallo and Ferguson are really valuable. But I want guys like Baisley that have like a feel for the game. Like that should be the number one priority. And right. then like if there's two players, they both have great feel, but one of them's more athletic, then I'll take that guy all day, right? Um, but I, I just want more intelligent players. And like you said, I think that's what Billy Donovan wants, right? Yes, and I think yeah. I don't want to like criticize too much. I mean, obviously, because I'm a Sam Presti stand, so I'm not going to just shit all over him. But I think it, in a sense, made sense what they were doing when they had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Because realistically, like both of those guys, they're going to do everything for your offense. Like it's just going to happen the way that those two guys play. Like the ball is not going to ping around the, the perimeter and, you know, everybody get involved. But I don't think you can rely on the idea of, having another Kevin Durant to make your offense great, no matter how it plays. So I think you need to have this really intelligent offensive team with good physical tools as well. Yeah, no, I, so I actually, think are, that, Oh, what were you going to say, Sam? Well, I was going to say, are we all in agreement that we're higher on Darius Baisley than Terrence Ferguson? Yeah, yes. I am. <laughs> I like, I, I think, mean, and I think Terrence Ferguson's a guy that can be a really good bench player. Um, but I think that him starting on a team without a guy that has the ball in his hands all the time, unless he develops a lot, it's going to put a lot of pressure on his decision-making ability. And I think he's going to struggle in that way. Like I'm not giving up on him, but I, and I think he can be a really high level defender, but like, I want a guy like Darius Baisley over a guy like Terrence Ferguson and especially Hamadou Diallo. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I got to say, actually, Darius Baisley is kind of a really good example in a sort of sneaky way of what I was talking about when I was thinking of a complete player. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of he's, uh, um, you know, it just looks like he's the kind of guy who is going to be able to, like he's both going to be able to recognize the correct play and then execute it regardless of what that is. And like, Five guys like that is a contending basketball team. Yeah, no, for sure. If you have the right star power with guys like that around him, you're going to be able to win championships. Like, I firmly believe that. Like, the Warriors were fantastic. They had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. But, like, the reason why they were so freaking good and won 73 games is that, like, everybody around them just knew how to play basketball. Like, they were – like, Andre Iguodala is – an incredibly good basketball player, Sean Livingston, when they were really good, um, when he had a big role on that team, he just knew how to play. Right. Right. Andrew Bogut even was like this great post passing big man. Like that was something that all of their role players were able to do. And like the thunder at that time, it's like, that's not Andre Robertson. That's not Serge Ibaka. Like Serge Ibaka could shoot and that's it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that to me is, is where the Warriors were really able to separate themselves, um, from the Thunder in those seasons that they were able to win championships and the Thunder weren't. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, we just, 
we want a smarter basketball team this next iteration. I hope that I think that the way that they've drafted recently kind of tells me that the Thunder are looking that way as well. I mean, like Darius Baisley was a really good pick for that. Trading for Shea Gilgis Alexander, like I think he's yeah. a guy that really fits that mold. Um, so I'm I'm reasonably high on their ability to kind of learn from what they did kind of they were lacking in the last version of the great thunder teams i just want to point out that the player the type of player you described that you want the thunder to draft essentially is nico Mannion, who you hate i don't hate nico Mannion. oh i thought I you, just, said you hate nico Mannion. no 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 no, no. they're they're just guys i like more than nico i got Mannion. you like if yeah. we draft nico Mannion, i'm not gonna be like super pissed but i'm I not gonna either i'm gonna be like right. why didn't we take josh green why yeah. didn't we take Scotty Lewis? Like, there are guys that yeah. I like more, but... Um, yeah, I think Nico Mannion is... He would be... In, him and Tyrese Maxey both. I think Nico Mannion is essentially, like, less athletic Tyrese Maxey. Maybe a bit better of a shooter. Yeah. Um, but they're both, like, the kind of... That you described, like, very intelligent point mm-hmm. guards. Can play off ball. Like, I think both of them would be a good fit next to Shea. I right. do, too. I, uh, but, I mean, like, you think... Like, Josh Green is that same type of dude, but he's just yeah. bigger. Like he's yeah, just right. a bigger guy. He would he would be a two next to Shea's one, which at which that point were huge, which I'd be fine with. That's what I want. I want to be a big team, just be a bunch a of big long... guys who make smart decisions. It's yeah, it would be really that's why fun. like that's how really you win. Quick, we can get back to the Russell Westbrook stuff for just a bit if we want, but I think what I think if we don't get the Heat deal to send Russ there, I think you take whichever deal has the single best prospect. Um, so like. You know, you're talking Minnesota or Detroit, possibly New York. I think the best thing, if you could get Jarrett Culver, I think that's the way to go. Like, even if you don't get hardly anything else, I think you take the single. You have a lot of, you've collected a lot of assets to get good players. And I think you take the single best thing that makes you great. And so that's that's what the secondary deal I'd be shooting for if the Heat can't get it done. What's one thing you want to see? Culver's like the exact player that we are talking about wanting. Yeah. Like he, that is Jared Culver to a T. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting. I, I heard one thrown around. I don't think they would do it or they would be really dumb to do it. But like having something built around Darius Garland and Cleveland with Darius Garland coming back, like that interests me quite a bit because Garland is, can shoot the shit out of the ball and having him next to Shea. Like I think those two guys would complement each other really well. Because, I mean, that to me is like, I'm looking for a guy that compliments Shea Gilgis-Alexander over anything else. I want a, I want a backcourt pairing of Shea Gilgis-Alexander and whatever. That's what I want this team to be built around. And I, yeah. So, I like the idea of Darius Garland there in that fit. But, no, I agree. Like, get... Get a an asset, right? Like the biggest asset of a Russell of a Russell Westbrook Brook trade will be the fact that a your own draft pick will be a lot higher next year. Like that's where the Thunder's high draft picks are going to come from. Like you can't depend on those Clippers or the Heat picks to turn into like super high picks. The big value is that your own picks are going to be the high lottery picks. You got to get your guy through there, um, and then. Just getting off Russell Westbrook's contract. Like, because if the Thunder are able to dump Russell Westbrook's contract, they're going to have a lot of cap room in like two years. And yeah. then they're going to be able to, 
I mean, they could maybe be players in the free agency market, but in all likelihood, it's going to be they can take Sign a bad five contract. Five power forwards. Oh. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not the Knicks, but yeah, We're then gonna they're going to be able Knicks. to get. We're going to get to the Knicks. Oh yeah, we will. But like, at, if the Thunder could get cap space, Sam Presti was really the first GM to ever do the whole. Yeah, we'll take your bad contract, but you've got to give us a first round pick for it. Uh, the Thunder could kind of get back into that game, and I feel pretty confident that they would. They would not be as stupid as the New York Knicks have been this offseason. Uh, do we want to just yeah. go go straight into that? Because yeah. okay. My so, God. the news came out today. <laughs> the truth come out. Um, Marcus Morris reconsidering his deal with San Antonio because Reggie Bullock's uh, restructuring contract with the New York Knicks presented them an opportunity to pay him more. Yeah. So Reggie Bullock is restructuring his deal. It said there were concerns. There's like almost no details on Reggie Bullock's situation it said there are concerns with his fitness and that he won't be able to play the full season. And his second year, of the contract was a team option. So I think what it is, he's concerned that he'll, either be bad or miss the whole year and then he'll won't be worth a team option. Then he'll be shit out of luck next summer. So I think he's probably restructuring to do that. And that's what his deal is. And now instead of getting two years, 20 million from the Spurs, Marcus Morris is looking at one year, 15 million from the Knicks because he doesn't understand state income taxes or cost of living. Yeah, basically. Um, And the Knicks don't, understand uh that you need a different position on the basketball team than the power forward um yeah this would be the fourth power forward that they've paid right just in this free agency period this free agency um and now i have always kind of thought that like the future of the nba was gonna have a lot of guys who were stretch fours like on the same team like just a lot of guys who can cover two through four and are in thus that sense fours, but like also that's not the kind of power forwards the Knicks have signed. Yeah, that's what's great. Like they're mostly true fours. Like none of yeah. them are stretch fours. Right. So yeah, Marcus Morris is the stretchiest four that they yeah. have signed. Yeah. Here is a list of the players vying for. Uh, these are the bigs in New York's rotation, vying for playing time. So in terms of true bigs, you've got um, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, Marcus Morris, and Mitchell Robinson. Like, so that's five guys. Yeah. That's uh, a lot rotation. of names. Um, yeah. And then you also have Kevin Knox and uh, what's-his-face Brzezikas. Um, Iggy, Iggy Brasdikas, yeah. yeah, Ignaz, that's it. Yeah, Brasdikas, um, both of whom you would assume would probably you would probably imagining having a future as stretch fours if they have a future, right? Um, and so that's seven players for two positions. Like, well, and what's hilarious about it too is that they have like one guy. I mean, I guess Taj Gibson is going to be their backup center. Yeah, but they only like, have like they have they have four power forwards in one center. Yeah, they have four power forwards that aren't really 
that suited to play any position other than the power forward, right? Like, yeah. It's one thing to have guys that can't slide down to the three, but it's another, like, you have guys that can't do that or play the five. Like, that's, right. it's a pretty impressive collection of basketball yeah. players that they've assembled. <laughs> it's all the of which, All of which, by the way, are, like, high usage guys without great, like, like, they're all looking to get their own buckets, basically, right? right. None of them I would consider, like, ball movers or passers. And, like, but surely that it. fits well with the guys they already have on their roster, right, Alex? Yeah, in their backcourt. Like, I mean, I feel RJ Barrett was always going to have issues. You know, we've talked about RJ Barrett and the issues that he'll have in the NBA, but they're not going to be made better by playing with this basketball team. Like, RJ Barrett needed a bunch of high IQ guys around him to help him get involved without him having to force it. Instead, and he's going to start at the he's going to start at the two between Dennis Smith and Kevin Knox. Yeah, it's going to be a freaking nightmare for him. And like just watching him in summer league, like that dude at the beginning of his first summer league game, like they just wouldn't pass the ball, and so he didn't touch it for like the first five minutes of the game. Yeah. And so from that point on, every time he got the ball, he felt like he had to shoot it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so instead was, of going seven and eighteen like he did at Duke, now he's going four for eighteen. Right. Yeah. Or, or yeah, seven four. of twenty-three, or whatever. Yeah, right. So it's it's a massive problem. Um, just overall, like first of all, why I don't know why they would use up all their cap space to sign shitty power forwards. I like Julius Randle, but that's about it. Um, and putting that with the guy that they think is the savior of their franchise, and all of them being so contrary to what that guy needs around him to be successful. Yeah, is just it's a freaking nightmare for him, and it also builds in a an added excuse that I will have if you know if RJ busts or if RJ Barrett busts, I'll just be able to say, oh, it was a situation. Um, whenever Sam's feeling really good about himself, um, I can just throw that out you there. You know, I but, love that. Right, right. Um, but yeah, no, it's. It's just, I feel bad for R.J. Barrett, and I also just feel mad that the Knicks are as bad as they are at what they're doing. Yeah, it was like, I remember after kind of the first wave of free agency, people were shitting all over the Knicks, and I was like, I kind of had the beliefs, like, it's not indefensible. Like, I mean, they're getting fine players that they don't necessarily need but a lot of them are, you know, two-year deals. They're going to be in play. It's kind of like the Lakers last year where they were getting a bunch of shit players in free agency. It's like, okay, if they're one-year deals, they'll have flexibility. And they did, and it worked out for them this summer. And it's like, okay, maybe the Knicks, you know, they couldn't they couldn't predict KD's Achilles injury. They couldn't predict they were going to lose their two main guys, and they just went with it, tried to keep some long-term flexibility, get decent players. But then they just kept going. Like the <laughs> like Julius was fine, maybe an overpay, maybe not. And then like Reggie Bullock and Wayne Ellington, it's like, okay, you don't need shooters for anything really, but it's you know, two years for both of them. You could those are usable assets you could trade. But then they just like I said, they kept going. They don't they didn't stop. And it's like now you have this massive problem and you just proved everybody right after I thought it wasn't a terrible offseason. Yeah. Well, and they like signing Alfred Payton makes zero fucking sense. Like they already have one point guard that can't shoot. And now they were like, oh, we need another one. 
We need another yeah. guy that can't shoot. Like I, I got nothing. I have no idea what they're doing. I, I tweeted at free agency, like imagine being a Knicks fan. And I would just, I can tell you, I would be in a dark place if I were a Knicks fan. Right. right, like I'm really optimistic about where the Thunder are going because I am op- I'm confident in their leadership to lead them to a good place, and that would just be the total opposite feeling as a Knicks fan. Yep. This was a fun diversion. Um, do we have any other? Do we have anything else to discuss? We yeah. got it out about the Knicks, huh? Yeah, we did. I I want to talk about the West. Um, okay. Yeah. And, you know, you can kind of look at this, you know, we're going to be throwing out a lot of teams and like imagine what the Thunder with Paul George were going to have to try to do in this in this Western Conference. Um, and it's just kind of crazy to think that the Thunder were even close to being a contender, you know, right. so um, it just will further illustrate my excitement for why the, these moves are going to be made. Um, but let's can we try to run through a a Western conference, like playoff seating prediction kind of deal. Um, okay. I don't, I don't necessarily care about like, who do you think is going to win the championship? Like, cause I just, I don't know or who's going to win the West in the playoffs. I want like a, who is going to be the best regular season team and how are they going to finish going into the playoffs? And then we can go from there. Um, okay. There's some hot takes they can throw out, but I don't. Know yeah, if I, like it. I mean they're they're the same. I think I would, I would like to do this if we're doing this as a collective. You know, I had talked about before. I think the Jazz have some serious like regular season power and could be in play for a one seed. Right. But I feel I like that... our individual hot takes are going to be more for like a mid October podcast and not right now. You guys yeah, feel like yeah, like I think that. The are Jazz... you trying, Alex? Are you trying to go hot take July right now? No, I, I, I'm perfectly fine. Like with just, I, we can go hot take less if you want. Like that's fine yeah. with me. I'll, do, I'll, I'll get them out now. Like I think that the Jazz and the Nuggets are going to push really hard, um, and I think that the presumed two favorites, the LA teams, are both teams that um, have considerable reasons to not care very much about the regular season. Yeah, and I think the Clippers, especially, you know, a huge thing for Kawhi going to or talking with Toronto was he, he's talked about that he would not have been able, they would not have won a championship if he were not able to rest during the year and if they didn't have such a great medical staff. I think with Paul George coming off his injury and Kawhi still feeling the same way, I think they'll both get a considerable amount of rest. Um, So while I think the Clippers are the best team in the West, um, and it's like for the purposes of this exercise, I would put them at the one seed I would not be shocked at all. They they have great depth too, so like it's also not as big of a deal. But I wouldn't be shocked if they end up, you know, the three seed because Kawhi and Paul George both played sixty games during the year. Right. Okay. Like, so I'm gonna. How about this? Go ahead. How about I throw out the eight seeds that I think are gonna happen, and then you guys can yeah comment. Okay, I like and this. Edit. All right. So I think the one seed is going to be. The Houston Rockets. You know, I forgot right. that they existed. I think that, like, they are going to get their shit together and they're going to realize, hey, this shit's wide open. 
James Harden is not – he's never been a guy that's, like, going to rest. Like, that's just not really been in his DNA. Maybe they start Arguably doing it. to his detriment. Yeah. Right, exactly. But, I mean, again, like, they're, they have an advantage over most of these other teams because their best player – like, they have all been together, right? Yeah. And, like, knowing that we're saying this, they'll probably trade for Russ tomorrow. But, like, they – all of their like their roster is essentially going to be the same. So like I I'm really high on them as a as a I don't think they're going to win championship, but I think they're going to be the best regular season team. Harden's an unbelievable regular season player. Like he's maybe the best regular season player in the league, um, with the way that he's able to play. So, um, so I've got Houston number one. I think Utah is the second seed because they're just this team is like the ultimate regular season team like they're just tailor-made for regular season basketball i could literally see them losing in the first round but being the two seed or the one seed um and i think donovan mitchell is gonna look i think he's gonna make a jump next year with mike conley being around and more spacing um the three seed i've got the clippers i think like i i think they're the best team in the west with those two guys and the roster that they have around them I agree with everything Sam said, but I think they'll be a three seed because they still like, even with Kawhi and Paul George resting games, they're still going to have a pretty talented roster that won games last year. And I, mm-hmm. so I'm pretty high on that. Uh, Denver is four for me. I'm interested to see like what Michael Porter Jr. is going to do. Um, I don't if know. Like, Michael Porter Jr. is going to do. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. Like, yeah, I, I like. I mean, Jokic is again an unbelievable, just like those other guys. He's an unbelievable regular season player. Um, at five, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna put the San Antonio Spurs as the five seed. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I I think I really like the Spurs. I know they just lost Marcus Morris today, um, but I thought the Spurs were gonna have a really good regular season next year, regardless, because like Pop is the best coach in the NBA for the regular season, at least. And I mean, Lonnie Walker's looked great in summer league. Derek White's going to be older. They're going to have DeJounte Murray back. So like their biggest weakness this year was probably their lack of like impact guards. And they're going to have more of those next year. Um, And DeMar DeRozan is not a horrible regular season player. Like he's never been a bad regular season guy. Um, So I've got the Spurs at six. I've got the Lakers um, because I, just they're not going to give a flying fuck about the regular season. Like, right. I think they will be more than happy to go into the playoffs as the fucking eight seed. Like, they just don't care. Like, it's not going to matter. Um, there's also big flaws in their roster that, like, LeBron is, like, the only one that can – well, like, LeBron and AD are the only guys that can really dribble. So that's – they're, they're going to find issues in the regular season um, in that regard. But right. they're going to, I think, win a lot of regular season games. Like LeBron would have to play like 40 minutes. Yeah, they're going to have to play. He's going to have to play a lot and he's going to have to play a lot of games too, which I think they're probably going to try to have him somewhere in the high 60s in terms of games played next year because yeah. they just, again, like they don't, they will not care about the regular season. Um, so I'm at the seven seed now, seven. correct? Yeah. I'm going to go with the Warriors. I, I totally forgot they were there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking you were gonna have Portland at seven, and I was like, okay, so we got three teams in play for the eight, and I was like, Oh yeah, the Warriors exist. Yeah. And I I'm 
wanted to go higher with the Warriors, but I'm a little concerned about their defense. Like, I think it might be a fucking shit show defensively. Um, I know they have Draymond, but, like, that's, like, one of their only plus defenders at this point. So I'm picking them to make the playoffs. I'm pretty confident they will because they have Steph and Draymond. But it's going to be a lot bumpier than anything they've experienced in the last few years. Um, and so my eight seed. I want to guess. I think you're going to go not Portland because you've hated their offseason so much. So then it's between. I think for you it's between the Kings and the Mavericks that you have at eight. Uh, okay. I'm going to guess you're going with the. Dallas Mavericks. You are correct. I'm going with the Dallas Mavericks. And that will be like there are there are things that can change pretty drastically. Um, like I think if Portland were to get Gallinari for like that Baysmore trade that we threw out, I might be willing to pick Portland in that spot because Dame is still a freaking stud and McCollum's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'm gonna go Portland. I can't Porzingis is coming off a year off, so I, I don't know if we'll see the best Porzingis. Luca's in his second year. Um, it might change. Like, they might get Dragic, and that will help them. But, yeah. like, that team's going to struggle to defend. Um, so that's an issue. I'm going to go with Portland. I trust Dame and CJ to drag that team to the playoffs more than I trust Luca and Chris Stapps in, his, in their second and, like, fifth years to be able to do that. So... I will go Portland, but I, I don't feel good about it. I do think that the the Kings and the Mavs are nipping at their heels. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's where I mean, it's, just, it's just, and like, I think this just illustrates why it's a great idea for yeah. the Thunder to not go for it this year, yeah. especially when you consider what they got. Like, we, the Blazers are in play for the eight seed and, you know, might not make it depending on what leaps other people take. And the Thunder got embarrassed by the Blazers last year. Right. And they that team might not make the playoffs. And they're obviously not the exact same team. But it's like the Thunder were no lock to make the playoffs. And if you have Paul George and Russell Westbrook, you are going to be devastated if you don't at least make the playoffs. And let yeah, alone, exactly. I mean, you're not, you're not even happy. You're not really happy with an eight seed either. Right. Well, and like just running through this, like – there's never really going to be a better year to tank because like we ran through all those teams, but Minnesota is probably going to be trying to win. New Orleans is definitely going to be trying to win. Like there's a lot of teams that are going to be all in trying to win games next year. And the thunder can kind of just sit back and like, just be a nice little young team and lose and, you know, be, be basically hang out with Phoenix, you know, cause every other team is going to be going for it. Phoenix and Memphis. Yeah. I think, and just looking through this, doesn't the Russell Westbrook to Minnesota trade make so much sense? Yeah, they could totally be a playoff team with it. Like it could change. It'll his- make it'll make Minnesota better, which would presumably make the Thunder's pick better, like just a little bit, because yeah. he'll be in the West. They'll have to play Minnesota more. They'll and that's another team that you can just slot ahead of Oklahoma City. Um, but it also like if you don't trade Russ to Miami the likelihood of that pick. Like, I do think that there's some downside to Russ, but it, in all likelihood, that 21, 2021 pick would be hurt by trading Russ there. Um, yeah. So there's that just, yeah. value just as the well. East is like, yeah. Be able to win 
games in the East. Exactly. And, and making the West harder by proxy by putting Russ on a content on a team that is going for it in the West, like that technically increases the value of the Clippers picks. Not by much, but you know, marginal improvement is still improvement. Yeah. Yep. So I'm uh I'm now team trade Russ to Minnesota. Him and Towns, that would be interesting. So him yeah, Towns and Wiggins. That'd be fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, Towns would just never touch the ball, actually. That would be hilarious to watch. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's setting it up perfectly so that we're now a contender for Towns at free agency when he demands. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I mean, we'll have the assets. We'll have a lot of assets to, to get the next disgruntled star. So, um, Okay, so that's where I'm at with the West. I think that anything beyond that, yeah, we're going to have to do something later because there's so many things that can happen. Right. And, and it's all going to be, they're all going to happen at like two in the morning tonight. Is my right. Um, Have y'all seen, did you see what Tyler Hero did today, guys? I didn't. Like something specific or just his stat line? Or his stat line. Yeah, he's he good. Really, he had a really good game. He's, he's been really, really good. Really, really freaking Yeah. Good. It's funny <laughs> watching Summer League thinking of like how these players are potentially thinking about what their teams are doing. Like. Duncan Robinson right. is the guy I'm thinking of. Right. He's been, well, Tyler he's Hero thinking, is he's doing incredible. this, and he hasn't signed his contract yet. Yeah, it's like he he's like doing this, thinking, "Well, I might be on the move." Duncan Robinson's with the Heat, and he's probably thinking, "Yeah, to ship everybody out so that you guys will need me." Because he's been really good in summer league. They had another guy, Kendrick Nunn, that's been really good. That like, if they end up shipping out nine guys from their roster, they could be looking at these summer league guys. And then you look at like Iggy Brasdikas, who's, you know, I'm not a fan of, but having a decent summer league, and he could be looking at getting some, should be looking at getting some good minutes for the Knicks, honestly. And I think there's just no room for him. Right. It's like it's weird. That's that's the thing I've enjoyed most about watching this bad basketball is thinking about like what potential guys have, how it affects, how they could be affected by the NBA. Yeah. And I keep, I mean, there's. I can't understand why Tyler Hero hasn't signed his contract yet, unless they're thinking I mean, that about has, trading. Yeah. That has it's to because, be it. It's because that, like, yeah, it has to be it. Like, I mean, and hit, him and Shea is a really good fit. Like, right. I'm not saying he's the guy that I want. He's not like the second guy that I want them to build around, but he's a guy that can play with Shea really well. And right. him and Shea would be really fun for fans to watch next year. So, right. I, I've got I've gotten a lot higher on Tyler Hero. Yeah. I'm all about just get, let's get like four secondary playmakers and just go for it. And just go, go with it. Yeah. I think, I think Baisley legitimately, like if you guys haven't watched Darius Baisley, that guy has serious skill with the ball in his hands. And I think he could be a legit secondary playmaker. I'm, I'm a fan. Serious skill. Like it is, it is just summer league, but like. Mm -hmm. This guy hasn't played basketball in a year and he's looking like, that would be the thing that you would think he would you wouldn't retain right. is like this really good feel for the game, but like right. he's driving and dishing in like these really tight spaces, and you're like, oh shit, this dude's got something, man. He's got great ball handling skills for his size. Like there's there is a potential. I mean, I think the upper end of Darius Baisley's potential is an all star. Like I really do. Like I'm not saying he'll get there. But there is an all-star in there somewhere. Right. Can't okay. wait. 
Anything else? Is that all we I'm got, good. y'all? How do, how do the NBA podcast, I guess it's because they do it more often, but man, like, there's just so much to say. I could, yeah. We yeah. could go for hours on this, man. Yeah. Yeah. We could go daily. <laughs> we would still go a full two hours somehow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we would. A lot of talking. Um, all right. Thanks so much for listening to us here at the Oklahoma Drills. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, leave a review, share it with a friend. Remember that we have to, like, we have to get Thunder Nation on board with this. So that's on you to share this with your despairing coworkers. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi, at Alex P. Purdy, and at Not That Sam Davis. Um, and we'll be back as soon as Russ gets traded. You can, I can guarantee that much. Can't tell you when, but I'll try and be awake for that one. Right. Okay. Uh, we'll talk to you guys at a future date.